If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open to the book of Proverbs, chapter 9. Feel free to take a seat. Tonight we are starting a series that will run through the evening services this summer, looking at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is about godly living in a wise manner. I like how one commentator put it. He said that the function of Proverbs in the Bible is to put godliness into working clothes. Helps to bring our faith to the places where the rubber meets the road of everyday life. Over the past 15 years, I have spent a lot of time with college students and this week I was reflecting on some of the questions that frequently come my way in those interactions that show me for them where this uh, contact between faith and their everyday life meet. So some of the questions that I have regularly heard involve, I'm about to turn 21 and what should I do with alcohol? Given my family history, given how my friends view uh, alcohol, how, how should I think about that and interact with that? In my dating relationship, how far is too far physically? What I think God wants me to do is not what my parents want me to do. How can I honor God and honor my mother and my father? A lot of decision questions. Should I study this or that? Should I accept this or that job? Should I marry this person? One that I have gotten more often than I thought I would is graduating seniors coming who have a job lined up and saying, in a few weeks, I'm going to be making way more money than I need. How much should I save? How much should I give away? How do I decide who to give to? How much is okay to spend on myself? For some of you, these questions are relevant right now. Some of you can think back to when they were or uh, look ahead to when they will be. But they all share one thing in common. There is no scriptural verse and chapter that tells you exactly how to answer these questions. There are certainly principles, there are uh, passages that, that speak to each of these. They all require wisdom and not simply adherence to a rule. The reality is whether you are 18 to 22 or whether you are 8 or whether you are 82, whatever age you are, whatever stage in life you are, whether it is big decisions like moving or marriage or whether it's everyday decisions about how to steward money and time and friendships and relationships, most of our lives is lived in this area of needing wisdom. So my hope is that as we spend the summer in the books of Proverbs that God will grow us in living wisely as individuals and as a church. The book of Proverbs is part of the five books of wisdom found in the Old Testament along with Psalms and Job and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. 
There are no major historical events or new laws in these books as we might get in other Old Testament books. They are focused mainly on the application of God's law, God's self-revelation to the individual heart. Solomon is identified in multiple places as the primary author of the book of Proverbs, although various parts of the book seem to be compiled by other people after he was dead, and uh, there are certainly other authors that are attributed to certain parts of it. Chapters 1 through 9 are words from a father to a son extolling the value of wisdom. The rest of the book is mostly made up of wise words more of what we probably think of when we think of a proverb. One or two lines that stand alone and teach something about how life generally works. That's an oversimplification. There are other divisions that can be made and there's a brief introduction at the beginning and a, a poem about the excellent wife at the very end. But in general, this book can be broken up into two major sections. The first nine chapters serve as more cohesive segment and an introduction to the second section in which each verse often stands unattached to those around it. Because of this, it's, it's difficult to preach through the book of Proverbs sort of section by section. So what we're going to do as the summer goes along is we are going to look at themes that Proverbs touches on. In coming weeks, we'll be studying what God has to say about money and sex and friendships and the use of our words and other topics. I would encourage you, as you come to the evening service, to bring a Bible or a pen. It is likely that we will be bouncing around a lot and uh, would be good to be able to jot down sections of Scripture that you want to go back to. But before we get to these topics tonight, we are going to consider the overarching topic of wisdom. And there's no way we can say everything that the book of Proverbs has to say about wisdom. And in one sense, the whole book is about this topic. But before we start, I think it is good to get some understanding. And so tonight we're going to consider wisdom as it is contrasted with folly. To do that, we are going to look at chapter 9 of this book. So to that end, let's now read, listen closely, for this is the very word of God. Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud, she is seductive and knows nothing. 
She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Would you pray with me before we think about this passage? Father, would you feed us from your word tonight? And having tasted and seen that you are good, would you grant us the wisdom that we so desperately need? Would you help us to live lives of godly, Godward, God honoring direction? And would you use us? to extol the value of this wisdom we read about tonight. In the name of your Son, Christ, we pray. Amen. So for eight chapters, the value and importance of wisdom has been praised in Proverbs. And the author gets to chapter 9, this concluding chapter of the first section of the book, and he makes it clear that there is a decision which is required. The first six verses and the last six verses of the chapter describe two invitations to two feasts, while the middle section demonstrates the divide between the wise and the foolish. For those who like to know where things are going, or who, like my kids, like to track how close we are to being done, in seeking to understand this passage, we are going to consider two similar invitations which lead to two opposite destinations because of an essential separation between wisdom and folly. Now look at two similar invitations, two opposite destinations, and an essential separation. First, let's look at the similar invitations of wisdom and folly. Wisdom and folly in this passage are personified. It is Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Lady Wisdom has already appeared multiple times in the book of Proverbs, most fully in chapter 8, immediately preceding what we just read. And now in chapter 9, we are introduced to her rival, Lady Folly. In the first six verses, Lady Wisdom makes her invitation. In the last six verses, Lady Folly makes hers. Both women make their appeal from the highest places in the city. Both call out to the simple, to those who lack sense, and understanding. Both offer food and drink, and both make the same appeal. Wisdom in verse 4 and folly in verse 16. Whoever is simple, turn in here, is what they call. However, while these two invitations are similar, they are clearly not the same. Wisdom has built a house in which to host her feast and what a house it is. We are told that it has seven columns. And there is a lot of speculation about what these seven columns represent from the seven spirits of wisdom to the seven days of creation, but what is clear is that it is meant to show this is a large and welcoming house. 
We're not told much about Lady Folly's house, only that she is sitting in the door of it. Wisdom offers meat which she has slaughtered and wine which she has mixed along with her own bread. This is a royal feast which she offers. Folly offers simply bread and water, not even her own, but that which has been stolen from others. Wisdom has been laboring to prepare for those who would heed her call, while Folly has nothing to offer. We're told she possesses no knowledge. She simply attempts to entice people into her house, and we're told she does so loudly. We learn something here about folly and sin. They cannot make or build or create. They can simply twist and distort and deceive. And yet, isn't it amazing how loudly and brazenly folly and sin will seek to seduce anyone who would listen? The similarities between the two women, the fact that they're both in the high places, that they both offer food and drink, that they both invite people into their house, actually serve to highlight not how similar they are, but just how different they are. In every way, Lady Wisdom comes out superior. She is the better woman, reminiscent of the wife from Proverbs 31 in many ways. She offers a better feast in a better house. And this superiority culminates in the revealing of the destiny of the guests of each feast. Because these two invitations lead to opposite destinations. Responding to these invitations is not simply a matter of preference. Which house looks more comfortable? Which food sounds better? Well, do you prefer the company of a diligent woman or a loud one? Wisdom and folly is actually a matter of life and death. Another way that Proverbs often talks about wisdom and folly is as two paths, and here we see where these two paths lead. One to life and the other to death. Listen to these various passages from the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, 21 and 22. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and an adornment for your neck. Chapter 5, 22 and 23. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Chapter 8, 35 and 36, wisdom says, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Chapter 12, 28, In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. And then we have the verses that we looked at tonight. In verses 9 and 11, wisdom says, Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. And then we conclude by hearing about what is present in the house of folly. 
He does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. There are multiple layers to the understanding of life and death in Proverbs. There is a promise of fullness of life, life as it was meant to be, designed by the one who gave it. There is a talk of long life, a life extended. Wisdom is generally good for keeping and sustaining life. And ultimately there is eternal life. In all of these arenas, accepting the invitation of Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly settles the matter of life and death for the individual, both in this life and forever. This is ultimately a decision that must be made, this decision between life and death. And the writer of Proverbs is clear that this is a decision that each man, woman, and child has to make for themselves. Look at verse 12 here in chapter 9. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. You will make this decision, and while it certainly will impact other people, you will reap the fruit of this choice yourself. By the time we get here to chapter 9, it is no secret that Solomon does not view these two feasts as two good, viable options that he just wants to make sure you're aware of. He believes there is a good choice and a wrong choice. He wants you to heed the call of wisdom and to close your ears to the voice of folly. However, even when we find that compelling, it isn't that easy. You notice wisdom tells us that life is found with her. Folly is not so forthcoming. We're told by the narrator that death accompanies those who are guests in her house, but she does not give us that information herself. In calling the simple to turn to her, she is claiming to be the true way of wisdom in life. And this is what we encounter in our lives as well. Rarely does foolishness come out and blatantly tell you what she is. She disguises herself as Lady Wisdom. She may even believe herself to be the path of true enlightenment. The fool is wise in his own eyes. I doubt most of us have to think very hard to come up with examples of what this looks like in our day and age or in our interactions with people. I remember one conversation I had with a friend who takes pride in being educated and intelligent and thoughtful and mixing with intellectually capable people at work and yet as we sat over lunch I listened to a constant stream of nonsense that was contradictory and filled with meaningless phrases. It was such foolishness and yet what stood out to me the most was the great confidence that they had and how they had reached this level of wisdom and insight. And any time that I tried to ask a question or engage one of the topics in discussion, I was met with a condescending sympathy for how hopelessly simple I am. 
the Apostle Paul tells us that this is going to be the case, that the wisdom of this world will be foolishness to God. So how do we know the voice of wisdom? If Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are both claiming to call you to the feast and path of life, how do we distinguish between them? To understand how to identify wisdom and folly, we have to trace back to the place where they initially diverge from one another. Wisdom and folly lead to opposite destinations because they start from different places. There is an essential separation between wisdom and folly. They are not two meals that we can just drop in and join now and then. These invitations are not just for food. They are invitations to reside in and dwell in one of these two houses. They are two fundamentally different ways of living. And they find their point of divergence in the answer to a very foundational question, probably the most foundational question that any human has to answer, and a question that all humans have to grapple with. Who is God? What is your relationship with Him? Do you fear and serve God? Or do you rebel against Him and reject Him? The Psalms tell us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. This is the starting place for folly. God? Who's that? No recognition, no acknowledgement, certainly no submission. On the other hand, verse 10, chapter 9 here, repeating what shows up in chapter 1 and what many consider to be the theme of Proverbs, tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if folly begins with saying there is no God, wisdom begins with knowing and acknowledging Him. We could do an entire study on the fear of the Lord here in Proverbs, but we understand that this is the starting place for the wise. And I want to make sure, lest we misunderstand, this is not simply uh, the fear of any divine being as though to be a theist is wise and to be an atheist is folly. No, wisdom and folly separate irreconcilably at the holy creator God of the Bible. This is how you can recognize wisdom and folly when they cry out. Any call that upholds the fear of the one true God is wisdom. Any call that does not is not. Wisdom is not primarily what you know, but who you know. At its essence, it is about knowing the one true God. Second half of verse 10 says, The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. To be a fool is to live as though this God does not exist and is not sitting on his throne as ruler and king. Wisdom means living in light of reality, which means acknowledging and submitting to the one who brought all reality into being. Proverbs 8 tells us that God established the heavens, that he assigned the sea its limit, and marked out the foundations 
of the earth. Wisdom is to trust Him, to submit to Him, to listen to His instruction. To reject the Creator God is folly. Your relationship with God, your heart toward Him, determines whether you are wise or foolish. We need to take a step back here, because if wisdom is dependent on a right relationship with God, then there is a problem. No one has a right relationship with God. All have rebelled against God. All humanity has rejected God as king. We have all turned aside into the house of Lady Folly and eaten her stolen bread and water. We have already made our choice. We are fools. We have walked in the way of folly. And because of this, we are dead in our sins. Which is why it is such good news that there is one whom the Gospels affirm as greater than Solomon, who is the way, the truth, and the life, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Colossians tells us, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, as 1 Corinthians tells us. And he is building a house too, not only for his people, but of his people. And he has prepared a meal with his own body and blood. And he too calls out, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. He died to take upon himself our death and was raised victorious to new life, which he shares with those who will turn to him. Trumper Longman, in his commentary, says that the New Testament presents Jesus as the mediator of our relationship with God, and so the New Testament understands the invitation of Lady Wisdom as the invitation of Christ to be reconciled to God. This, then, is the heart of wisdom, a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly both call from the highest places in town. This is meant to mean the religious center of town. Lady Wisdom is rightfully placed in the location of the temple of God, but Lady Folly is also calling from high places. In Israel, this would have represented the false gods of the nations around them that called out to the people of God over and over again to turn to them, sadly, often with much success. In our day, it is usually more subtle, but Lady Folly is anything that calls our allegiance away from Christ. It can be money, or work, or sex, or relationships. These are all good things, but if we don't start here, if we don't anchor wisdom in the person of Christ and our relationship with God through Him, we may learn some good principles from the book of Proverbs, but it will simply help us to be better at our idolatry. It will be folly. To reject wisdom is to accept any of the hundreds of ladies' folly. All the questions that students ask me, all the topics we will cover in coming weeks, all the areas where we need wisdom to live our lives cannot be separated from the knowledge of and submission to God. This fountainhead will flow downstream into all of life. There is no third way, there is no partial wisdom where you can listen to God sometimes and trust it yourself at others. You either acknowledge Him 
as the holy creator and therefore you fear him or you rebel against him. This is why you cannot accept both invitations in Proverbs 9. You can't have lunch at one house and dinner at the other. They are mutually exclusive. So here in Proverbs 9, we have two similar invitations that lead to two opposite destinations because there is an essential separation between wisdom and folly. As I have been preparing this week, Robert Frost's famous poem, The Road Not Taken, has frequently been running through my mind. The author encounters a fork in the road and tries to determine which path to take. So he walks a little ways down each of them to see what he might be able to see. And then he comes back and has to make a decision. And when he has made his decision, he declares, I chose the road less traveled, and it has made all the difference. This is what the book of Proverbs is seeking to do for us tonight. It has led us to a fork in the road, to a point of decision, and it has shown us what lies down each path. We have the information we need. There are only two paths, only two feasts offered. You will accept one of these invitations, and which one you choose will make all the difference. So, heed the warning against Lady Folly. She continues to call out. Some of you are listening to her right now. Derek Kinder in his commentary points out that when Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden, she had to be convinced that the sweetness of the fruit would survive her rebellion. But now Lady Folly appeals to that rebellion as part of the sweetness. It can be so tempting for many of us to think that we aren't really living unless there is a little risk, a little rebellion, a little disobedience in what we are doing. We need to have an edge of some sort. I want to especially warn those who are in their youth. I'll let you decide if you fit into that category or not. Proverbs 22:15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Some of us never grow out of it. Matthew Henry writes this about Lady Folly. She especially targets young people who have been well-educated. These she will triumph most in being the ruin of, young people that have been trained up in the paths of religion and virtue and set out very hopefully and well, that seem determined and destined for good and are not going the way to her house. She calls them simple and wanting understanding and therefore courts them to her school that they may be cured of the restraints and formalities of their religion. You will hear this appeal, especially if you are young, that you are sheltered and ignorant of the world, that you are small-minded and you need to be freed from the restraints of your religious upbringing. But it is folly. Do not listen. Instead, I exhort you, all of us, to accept the invitation of Lady Wisdom, to accept the invitation of life through Christ. And having done so, having turned in to abide with Him, and having dined with Him, to heed the admonition 
of Proverbs chapter 2 and to continue to seek after wisdom. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making an ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. We need wisdom. God offers wisdom. So let us continue to seek hard after him. Would you please pray with me? Father, would you reveal more of yourself to us? You say in James that if anyone lacks wisdom, we can come to you and you give freely without finding fault. Would you do that tonight? Would you help us to grow in the fear of you, to grow in the knowledge of who you are, and thereby to grow in wisdom and insight, that we might live the fullness of life, that we might have the hope of eternal life and that we might bring praise and honor and glory to your name through Christ our Savior. Amen.